Wait, did you hear? <gasps> no. We're diving into the juiciest celebrity profiles of all time. I'm Beatrice Hazelhurst. And I'm Ivana Ryder. This, this is Uncover Girl. Girl. Oh my god. I'm good. I'm good. I'm better. How are you? Yeah, you've had you've been through the ringer recently. So have you. Yeah. So have you. I feel like not as much as you. No, that's true. That's true. <sighs> I know. Life life's been just spinning me around, really. That's it. It's not that it's like punching me down. It's just spinning me around and I'm dizzy and I'm nauseous and I'm throwing up. It's not a great place to be, ideally. No. But it's survivable it's survivable and it's temporary it's like at one point i'll stop spinning and then i'll be like oh my god what were all those months what's been going on for some context okay so i've traveled every week for the past two months basically and i just returned like 48 hours ago from the midwest where i had my engagement party which is my inspiration for the week because it was one of the most tender beautiful things i've ever experienced in my life um, my family and Steven's family met for the very first time after, which is crazy. I know eight years of dating. And I mean, hands down, one of the most special things in the world to see like my grandma meet Steven's mom and talk about like us when we were little and tell stories. Everyone did toasts, um, and cried and laughed. And we just spent the entire weekend all together in Milwaukee running around, went to a dress appointment. It was just, well, you bought your wedding dress. I did. I that's the inspiration i know no it is i was looking at pictures of it yesterday i actually got a call from the sweet girl that helped us anna shout out miss ruby bridal boutique (laughs) in milwaukee honestly highly recommend because we were an insane group like i apologized as soon as we walked in because it was me and eight women my mom my grandma steven's mom steven's sister both of my sisters my aunt my cousin I was like, I am so sorry. I'm aware that a group of this size is like ridiculous and unruly. So I promise we'll be out of your hair so quick. And it was kind of for show, right? It was for the performance of it. Yeah. You really didn't expect to find it. No, anybody. not at all. It, it was. I saw some dresses that I liked, but the one that I ended up trying on, it was the first one that I tried on. It was one that I didn't even have marked or bookmarked or flagged in any way. And I put it on, stepped out, and my entire group there, all with very different tastes. My mom, my grandma, me, very different styles. Your youngest sisters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was a unanimous 100% yes, this is it, like made for you, born for you. And then the sweet woman helping us started crying because I explained that my grandma didn't have a wedding dress. My mom didn't have a wedding dress and they both didn't have weddings. And I'm the first in my family to do it she just was overcome with emotion and began to cry and so i'm feeling raw i'm feeling just grateful and tender and like could not be more lucky so it was all worth it it's like spinning out now and having 800 emails like i'll take it 100 percent of the time but the contrast of that obviously or the flip side is that like work is like less stable than ever yeah which is kind of a testament of the times really i know layoffs everywhere actors and writers striking it is a really intense time how are you doing with it because we've both (sighs) been out of a routine yeah both been out of a routine same thing a lot of travel i have a contract ending which was really daunting and there's kind of no way through it in terms of being able to extend it or whatever that's my primary income so that was a lot to confront or has been like I'm still in the grips of it I've got two weeks left but it's this weird dichotomy right now of being like it's so beautiful it's so summery it feels so good to be off and free on the weekends or running around or seeing different cities and then this harsh reality of like okay how am I gonna sustain myself and feed my cats 100 (laughs) percent. so everything feels a little bit like fake and and I've been told many times that the recession looks like there's going to be a, a real overhaul in like six months. Like we're going to really turn it around. But the fact that the strike is the first time actors and writers have striked in decades and decades at all is a little bit dystopian. And editors, like close editor friends of mine at heralded publications like Dropping Like Flies has been like really unsettling. Oh my God. I swear 
It was on the first episode of this podcast where you and I talked about how our career trajectories have been so similar that we both quit mm-hmm. our jobs at the same time. We both went freelance around the same time. We both took little staff positions at the same time. Like we have done things so in step and here we are again in step, both on the brink yeah. of losing big contracts like primary forms of income and wondering what comes next. Yeah. Us and many others. And I think that's what's inspiring me is that this would really have uprooted me like two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I have had a real perspective shift in the sense of like, I'm just going to take it day by day and see what happens. And But I think it's also become very clear to me in my line of work that going the traditional route of applying and interviewing is just not the way that things run right now, especially with so many unemployed writers, which there are. So... I'm just like, I have to rely on my experience, my talent, my contacts, and just be like, I've always, always pulled myself out of a rut before and I will 100% do it again. Yeah, I feel that way too. It's like, I have no reason to ever truly think anytime I've been faced at the same crossroads before, truly this identical crossroads of, I don't know what I'm going to do in two weeks. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how I'm going to sustain myself. And I've been on trickier footing before than I am now. And like, we always find a way. I think the difference is now, and I was having this conversation with a friend recently, is that at this point in time, at our age, like in the latter 20s, there's a real vibe shift. In the early 20s, it's like, yeah, everyone's sneaking the tequila into a club and everyone's (laughs) on like the bare bones and trying to do things as cheaply as possible and trying to live as large on a dime. Yeah. This is like people are really living large or people are not. And there's like a huge valley between the two types of people and how they are experiencing life. Like some people are absolutely bawling out at this point in time and the investments are big. The savings accounts are robust. And then on the other side, I have friends who are making you know, a pretty standard amount and are seeing the cost of living go up all around them and feeling like their incomes don't match and trying to reconcile that and and survive so it's very strange to see the two different worlds yeah you know even when even when we're in our early 20s and we knew people with really rich parents who were funding them yeah. in their lifestyles the whole time it was it didn't affect us though yeah it didn't and way. i don't think it really affected them that much i think they were still on our wave Yes, because I think the only real difference there is that when the holidays come, they might be going to an Italy for a family vacation, whereas the rest of the people are just going back to their family Hometown. homes in the like in the suburbs somewhere. Yes, yeah. But now it is like what you're able to do, where you're able to go, even how you're able to eat out or be with people. Like it's like it does affect every facet, and this also coincides with the most visible mass exodus to Europe that we've possibly ever seen. I know. Especially like from Americans. I mean, look, anyone who lives in the fucking UK is always in some sort of Western European country. Yeah. There's a Portugal, there's a yeah. Spain, there's a France. Like it's that's just their lifestyle. For Americans it's a big it's a big jump. And so like seeing that online in such saturation compared to like the reality for most people of being like, okay, I'm just trying to literally get by and get this rent paid. It's so interesting. And you also don't know the backstory. You don't know what went into that trip, who's funding it. Yeah, that's so true. And it's never clear. For dear friends, I feel like I would be bold enough to ask, how did you do that? How did you afford that? How did you do that? Um, And people have asked me about our Switzerland rendezvous. Like when friends texted me, hey, are you free to come out on Friday? And I was like, I'm so sorry. I've taken a quick, quick jaunt to the Swiss Alps. I think that it's warranted to be like, absolutely. How? I'm so surprised no one, like no No one one asked me. But I think that's because I didn't location tag. You didn't location tag. No. You and I love to gone girl. You and I are obsessed (laughs) with gone girling. We are gone girls. (laughs) In the same breath, obviously, people getting married and people totally unable to afford a wedding. This is all happening within the same, like, five-year age bracket. Yeah. Which is insane. Is. Yeah. You really inspired me, though. I do have to call that out. I came to you in bad shape a few days ago. And I feel like your your insistence that I would be able to find a way and you will be able to find a way has, like, turned it around for me in a real way. I felt like I had osmosis, like a lot of your stress. And I know. Then, and I'm so sorry. I no, really came no, in no. hot. I came in so hot. <laughs> By no fault of your own. It's absolutely your 
prerogative and I am so grateful that you feel safe and comfortable to vent and like unload and whatever but yeah you're my, one of the few my skin is so thin and I yeah. think I'm realizing that the older I get that I was so affected yeah like by our conversation and felt as if it was happening to me and so I left that just kind of like Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> no, I completely understand. I'm not a dumper. Like never. I, you didn't, and you didn't even in that moment, really. Oh, but I sort of did. I did. I have to admit when I and it's so yeah. It's like it's unnatural to me. I felt motion sick. You were top of the roller coaster in that moment. I was no, but you received it all, and you pushed back when you needed to, and that is, I feel like, the mark of a true friend because. It's one thing to just receive it all and then basically lament like, yeah, no one has ever experienced worse than you in the world and like leave it. But I needed to hear some of the things that you said and I appreciate them. What did I say that was? Well, one that I have like options. You were like, you don't have to do this. Like, what if you cancel something? What if you don't do this? Mm, Like everyone will understand. Everyone will understand. Yeah. Yeah. And then also just like you've done this before and you'll do it again and it's fine. You have connections. There are ways to do this. I know this is so, this sounds really grasping at straws, but I've even seen taking over my for you, like couples doing Uber Eats together and like stuff like that, which I find like kind of cute and beautiful. And like, it just does remind you that at the end of the day, (laughs) I can just feel people listening to this and DMing me afterwards like, hey, babe, you okay? Like, I I already know know this is about to No, we've we've gone. But I feel like also this is the a collective experience right now. I have a lot of friends who are in the middle of losing jobs or, yeah. or about to like leave their jobs maybe hopefully or... And this is my point. Like ultimately, if we wanted to go back into hospitality, which we've talked about at length, we used to do, we could. And the, it's really like how much the ego factors in with like, oh, I could never... Shake a margarita take, again. Yeah. Take a step backwards, right? And... Yeah, this, no, but it's not. It's. I don't think it is either. I don't think it is. I and I feel really firmly. I think. I think I would have felt it was a step backwards a couple of years ago, mm. and now it just feels like if I did take a restaurant job, which I loved, I totally loved. I was obsessed. I had the best time. It would just be so that I could do things like this and pursue the things I actually care about. Yeah, without scrambling frantically, because even you know, for us writing little articles that pay. $200 an article. That's not feasible either to write a no. hundred of those. No, 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 no. I would rather be at a bar. Yeah. And it also leaves no mental capacity if you do want to yes. write for fun. Yeah. You are totally burnt out. Whereas I think when you can work in a space where your brain isn't engaged in that same way, then the freedom is there. It's like a return to form. You are able to compartmentalize writing in a way that's like, oh, I love to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like work is me serving. So we quit the podcast. We, we go like, back to restaurant jobs. Sir, we get jobs at Sir, you and I. Oh we go full God. reality. <laughs> that would be something. No, but it does. I feel like also this is a beautiful lead in because one exit strategy that I have seen many of my friends talk about is marrying someone that's wealthy as an yes. escape route, which we don't have access to. That. We don't have ac- no, access to. No, 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 no. I'm marrying for love. Oh, and God. I know. Our profile this week is, I feel like, one of the most famous cases of a person that's with an ultra-wealthy celebrity. And married for love. And and married but for But happened love. to hit the jackpot but that happened it's one of the richest men in the world. I know. And it has, I think, started a really interesting conversation around the quality of her work or who gets to do this work. It is like the Nepo baby debate. It's like our subject is one of the most interesting examples of, quote-unquote, marrying rich. Because I think that she did it like no one else has done it. And I think that she's maintained her integrity and has such a cool perspective on it that I have never heard before. And one makes me want to like encourage friends of mine to marry rich and then also marry for love and then also just forge a path completely their own. I feel like there's just so much there. Infamy is kind of fun. Grimes on music, Mars and her secret new baby with Elon Musk. The visionary pop star holds nothing back, talking to Vanity Fair about everything under the sun, including her thrilling upcoming album, Book One. This was an incredible profile. I'm obsessed. This is one of my honestly favorite, I feel like, in a very long time. And it's so ironic we're we're doing this with a guest this week because we're kind of unable to really crack it open in the way that we probably would if it was just the two of us. But she brings such an interesting perspective that I have no regrets. I'm just truly, truly, truly so excited. I have been talking about uh, Elon Musk ad nauseum at the moment because a friend of mine, or should I say my now former accountant, because she is going to become a CFO. Oh my God. Fabulous. At Harvard right now, doing her graduate degree. 
and is surrounded by finance bros who are obsessed with Elon and bring him up as a case study almost every time. And she had a really interesting perspective where she was like, when I did my graduate certificate at Stanford, before that she was at UC Berkeley. Yep. I know, I know. Just (laughs) just let that sink in for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we talk about money. Yeah. She was basically like, look, like I was always coming at this world of finance with a real sense of like fiscal responsibility. There was always like a lot of DEI conversations, Mm -hmm. like diversity, equity, and inclusion. She was like, oh, I got to Harvard and it is all money, baby. It's like dollar signs only. And apparently like the obsession with Elon is just brimming over. And I was like, what do you think it is? And she was just like, it's that alpha mentality of someone who was a nerd and managed to profit off it and become this behemoth in pop culture social media engineering in such a way that really grips men like holds them in an absolute vice no 100 and i think it's a similar thing to like a jackson pollock effect Mm -hmm. where it's like i could do that i wish i had done that if i had thought of that i would have done that and now i would be famous for my contributions to society right and but also like undeniably a genius and that's where the conflict lies but he is currently with grimes or on and off yeah have a a weird relationship that she addresses within this article yeah and i feel like we're really talking about him so we can get him out of the way so that we can really dive into grimes who is completely fascinating on her own without her connection to elon so her real name is claire boucher she is canadian by the way of vancouver and basically went viral off the back of GarageBand, which feels very indie sleaze in 2010 when she came up and has been just like one of the foremost voices in music championing AI, technological development. She and Elon met, which is so interesting, through like this joint pun referencing like a very niche thought experiment. Actually, let me explain this properly. Yeah, no, this is so interesting. I found this fascinating. Yeah, so their kismet moment is based on this thought experiment wherein an AI would be incentivized to create a virtual reality simulation to torture anyone who knew of its potential existence but did not contribute to its development. So let that sink in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, just take a minute with that. <laughs> it's a, a like a dystopian future wherein an AI tortures people that doesn't contribute to its own personal development and moving forward. Yeah, it's so, like a punitive approach. Yeah, exactly. So they both reference this, but it's called Rocco's Basilisk is the whole concept. And they both tweeted about it, found each other over Twitter which, of course, Elon now owns. I know, X. I cannot believe the rebrand. The rebrand. He is obsessed with that letter. <laughs> cannot get enough of it. Uh, but there is this album, supposedly on the horizon, coming out from Grimes, which features a collaboration with The Weeknd. It's hotly, hotly, hotly anticipated. And this writer, Devin Gordon, uh, formerly of GQ, basically says she is like the most invigorating hang that he's experienced. And she is like texting him nonstop throughout the course of this profile. And she has no airs, like seems to have no ego. It's just totally down for the human connection. They just sit there smashing beers at her personal home. She Um, seems so smart. So smart in a way that is like incredibly intimidating. Yeah. He describes of her Time flies around her in a non-linear fashion. Art and ideas are her power source and her energy is infectious. She speaks so fast in a unique Esperanto of academic theory, Silicon Valley 3.0 futurism and club kid slang. At one point, she hops up to show me her new tattoos, a series of milky white slashes on her upper torso meant to look like alien scars. She's also had like her ears modified and a bunch of things to make her seem more alien or pixie-like. Fabulous. <laughs> Yet for someone who might be from another planet, she's remarkably down to earth. For someone who's so excited about AI, she sure does love the company of people. And it does seem truly, like you said, a joyful hang. Mm-hmm. Where this is interesting, this is engaging. I'm curious what your background is with Grimes also, because this was really my foray. I had known of her more so, and I had heard some of her like big songs, but now I'm sort of obsessed with her and I want to know more. What is your background with Grimes? 
honestly, it's not too extensive. I thought she was so beautiful. I think that would be my entry point was that I was so intrigued by her. I, of course, like much like everyone else, because I love pop music, like fell in love with her via Kill V Mame, which is the banger to end them all. Um, but I just thought she was really, really cool. And like, she really pierced the veil for me in terms of, I was so obsessed with like hip hop and R and B and her genre of music was really far from my radar. And yet I completely fell in love with it. So I've just always loved her. And then more recently she's done more interviews and specifically in the audio space. Like she's done a lot of podcasts. She's been way more open and, like she's just an incredible listen. She said something recently that really stayed with me in terms of having children, which as you know, I am very much on the fence about. She was like the way that your, your attitude shifts in terms of like protecting the earth and becoming so much more aware of just your impact and like what world you're leaving behind. And I'm really butchering paraphrasing of, of her discussion, but it was so beautifully put and just something that I hadn't heard like I just hadn't heard that as Mm -hmm. a reason to have children in that you want to contribute to the longevity of the planet in a way that you almost have like a hands-off perspective when it's just you oh yeah individualist versus collectivist and I loved like hearing that and she's very for the girls and that could not be more clear in this profile The upcoming album, Book One, alludes to Athena, Calypso, Persephone, courtesans, concubines, geishas. And she makes a point saying, and we bring this up in our interview with our guest as well. These weren't just hot girls. These were the smartest girls, some of the most educated women of their time. They painted, sang, designed their own clothing. They were the Grimeses of their day. And all of these women, much like Grimes, had this role in society or this reputation as being some rich dudes bit yeah. on the side. Mm-hmm. And she is fully aware that took it very personally when she wound up on Elon's arm. And yet she was kind of like, who cares? Like, she just doesn't care. It is incredible how much she doesn't care and feels no need to defend him no. at any juncture. I admire that so much knowing that he's a separate person completely and she absolutely can't control him and Mm -hmm. if he's going to go insane on a twitter thread that's really not her purview to fix that she's just going to continue living her life and making her music and taking care of now their kids and she seems to do it so gracefully somehow she has a very different perspective on the woman's role Yeah. In a way that you don't see that often. I think if you look at women with problematic men currently existing in pop culture, if you look at like a Kim and Kanye, I was just going to say, yeah, perfect, like parallel comp to this, no matter what bullshit like Kanye did, Kim was really ready there to to defend him Mm -hmm. and took her role as like the protector, the lioness, so to speak, very seriously. And Because of that, there was never a lot of distance there. Like, I think that you lumped in Kim and Kanye quite often until, like, the divorce. Grimes has had no input with regards to what's gone on with Twitter. She has no thoughts or public statement off the back of the fact that Elon demanded his his, all his employees never work from home again. Like these news making events that Elon has been at the center of, she's just like fully let go. And I think because of that, she's managed to foster the sense of independence, Mm -hmm. which we don't often afford to women who are with these kind of powerful men. Yes. And I love that she brings up the concubines, the geishas. I think that women for all of history have been brilliant in private and it's so recent that women are allowed to be brilliant in public and even then it makes you such a target when you're a brilliant woman that's talking about where you get your inspirations and how you make your music and what your process is and I just think that people tend to shut that down immediately whereas when men do that it is lauded and considered so interesting and fascinating And she just does it so unapologetically. Yeah. And I think we're at an interesting juncture right now with with the way that women operate in the public eye, but also the way that they're perceived. And we get into this a lot with our guest, which we're so excited to introduce, is the one and only DJ LPGOB. 
the coolest, coolest girl who Ivana and I met on a personal level when she played Coachella and, and were so incredibly taken with her thoughts on being a female artist in a male-dominated sphere and how to earn that respect, but not only earn it, retain it, mm-hmm. and what it takes from you to keep the lights on with regards to that respect. She's giving her physical health, her mental health to sustain the momentum of her career because she knows that much unlike many men and male DJs, she would not be able to walk away and come back to the industry that she left. No, and we're so, so lucky to have her on because she has reached sort of a fever pitch. She's been traveling all around the world. She is beloved by people in the dance community like the electronic music world and has just like taken her sets all around it's amazing what she's been able to accomplish especially coming from a place that's not musically connected or something that's you know an LA gal that's been DJing since her 16th birthday I'm so inspired by her story and her drive it's so hard to do it to be a female DJ and she's like really made it look easy and producer too. And yes. I think this is why she connects so much with Grimes is that there are so few women reaching this echelon in the music industry, especially in the production space, not being, you know, puppeted by a bunch of execs, but in fact, like creating their own music and seeing it through from start to finish. And then having to balance all the realities of womanhood, which is, do I have a family to travel to Uruguay for a show, but I've got my period and the cramps are crazy. And then I have to show up and perform a set at 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. And like, that is a really confronting reality that she deals with on the daily. So funny that we started this talking about how we've been traveling a lot. Yeah. When incomparable. Yeah. I do not know how one does it. I'm like, who's taking care of the cats? That's my first thought. I know. And I realize obviously there must be no cats. No. There cannot be there cats. There cannot be cats. My first thought is, where? how can the routine? I feel, now I know, the older I get, the more I really rely on my routine to keep me sane. Yes. And there cannot be one. <laughs> yeah, my little walk, These my silly little, little things that we do. I know. That keep, that keep us afloat. Love Island at the end of the day. Is there a new season? I'm catching up. Oh, okay. I'm back on it. It's very good. Oh my God, it's so good. I know. I forgot how good it was. We do actually, as luck would have it, catch her on an island in Ibiza, she is on an absolute rampage through the clubs in, in Europe, South America, North America. So we are so lucky that we got to squeeze in this little moment with her and have her reflect not only on the profile, but on the state of the music industry as a whole and particularly women's role in it. Mm-hmm. Here we are. Alfie Giobi. last time we saw you it was Coachella living you were absolutely thriving you'd killed your set yes it was a great time but then I had oh my god I went from Palm Springs to Ibiza to Guatemala to Colorado for my mother-in-law's funeral to the beginning of the Airstream tour in Asheville that was four and a half days Oh, oh my god. god. Oh wow. Dude, when I showed up at the Airstream tour, I was literally a mess. <laughs> For those who aren't familiar with LPGOB, we have been truly in awe ever since we met you, but a legendary piano house producer and DJ, currently the global music director of W Hotels, like we said, just fresh off Coachella and released her debut album Light Places last month and has been touring United States, Europe. South America, Central America. Am I missing any? Probably. That's it. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. That's it. (laughs) The entire globe and that's it. (laughs) But you're Oregon born and Austin based. I've been home in Austin seven days this year. So I don't, I don't feel that connected to Austin right now, but my stuff is technically there. How do you find all the travel? I heard a really great quote the other day, actually the driver who picked us up in a visa 
he said, um, well, you know, DJs don't get paid to play music. They get paid to travel. And I was like, 1000%. Yes. The, the, I mean, playing music is like the most fun, easy job in the world. It's the travel that definitely is horrendous on the body. I took eight flights in the last seven days and I did San Francisco to Ibiza, to Belgium, to London, to Barcelona, to London, to Ibiza. And a few of those had like festivals and after parties. And, um, and, you know, I'm really, really actively working on the sanity part of it because I was starting to feel like my brain fog was like insane the last few months, like right after Coachella, I was just like, it's like so hard for me to think it feels like I'm walking through quicksand. And so I did some blood work and your cortisol level should be at four and mine was at 40. And this doctor, it was like a concierge doctor, like works with touring artists and like hot, like high pressure CEOs and stuff. And he's like, I've dealt with tens of thousands of patients and I've never seen a number this high. This is not good. You can cause some serious damage. And that weekend I was supposed to do Pennsylvania to Italy to um, Colorado in three days. Yeah. So I, I, I pulled off of the Italy show since that made no sense in my routing, but it was, it was Kappa. It was going to be a good festival. Anyways. Um, I think that for me, it's going to be really about saying no and prioritizing my health. I just think it's, it's so hard to, to make it as an artist. And so, you know, for you're saying yes to everything and like, just like taking any opportunity and trying to make it work. And I have this like scarcity mindset that is not that healthy anymore. Um, like fear of, if I don't say yes, you know, we'll, we'll not get to play again. We'll, but um, my body is forcing my hand. So, you know, thank you, body. I am grateful and I am listening. (laughs) I'm I'm working on that. I think there's also an element of guilt there living your dream and being like, okay, well, if I'm not showing up hundred percent, hundred percent of the time, then like, what am I doing? Like, this is truly the life that I imagined for myself. Totally. That is exactly how I thought. Like the show I played in Guatemala after Coachella, it was horrible. My song selection was trash. I was just like there, it was so bad. And so that's when I realized like, oh, okay. So I worked so hard and traveled all these countries to try to put my best foot forward. And I'm no longer doing that. Then why am I killing myself to not even, you know, show up the best I can? And I mean, I wish that what changed my mind was like, this is unhealthy, but what's what's changed my mind is like, I want to be the best version of me. And this is clearly not that. I guess I just kept being like, you know, you jump in an ice bath and you just, you do some jumping jacks and like, you, you know, you figure out a way to keep going. But um, no, our bodies have limitations and that's okay. I hate to kind of make it so sterile and, and biological, but the reality is also for women, like we have a 28 day hormone cycle, whereas men have a 24 and jumping in an ice bath isn't going to keep that shit tight. And it, and we're really just at the end of the day, like we're hormones and we're adrenal glands. And like, because of the cortisol issue, in order to like keep making more cortisol that I needed, my body stole all of my hormones. And so I'm making zero hormones right now. And my body essentially in menopause. When I was over exercising, I lost my period. Hair was falling out, night sweats. And that was too much cortisol. No way. That is so how so what did you do? I had to cut out cardio. I had to start lifting weights and restabilize the hormones. But it was how long did that take you? Wake up call. Uh definitely six months. Then there was like the mental component of like feeling uncomfortable within my body with how rapidly it had changed and that kind of stuff. So there was a lot, there was a lot going on, but I think I got my period back after about two months, but it was kind of irregular. It's a huge, it's a huge thing. And it's something that I always factor in because hormonally, it's always the first thing to go when we're under pressure. It's the first thing to get out of whack. But I feel like this is very relevant to the profile that we're here to discuss today in the sense of Grimes, a famous female musician and artist who has on so many occasions spoken out about the discrepancy or inequalities like baked into the music industry. And then one of the first women, I think, to go mainstream in also the production space. She is the reason that I am a producer is she was the first woman I heard of that produced her own music. You know, and I was raised by hippies that were like, you can do anything, you can be anything. But it wasn't until I I read, she was in an interview talking about, I produced, like she was very adamant about people knowing that. And I went like, wait, what? I could be a producer just because I never saw myself visually represented in that role. It just didn't even occur to me. I was, and I was in studios all the time with like great male producers. It just, it just didn't occur to me. And then on top of that, there's this whole other 
yeah, biological inequity. It's just a lot for, for a female artist. Oh my God. Totally. This is truly the jump off point for this entire profile. Vanity Fair 2022. It reads, infamy is kind of fun. Grimes on music, Mars, and her secret new baby with Elon Musk. I had two of the most magical show experiences recently. And then that night I laid in bed sobbing, thinking about like, I really want or wanted to be a mom. Like I'm like putting my body through so much. And I'm literally to the point where I physically couldn't have kids right now because of the damage I've done to my hormones and the the turmoil that I put my body through with the time changes and the, you know, the radiation from the flights. And I was texting my aunt, my, my aunt is my godmother as I was sobbing. And she, she wrote back this. And I just thought like, that's so well put. There's a price for admission to every place in life. That is yes. it. If you're doing one thing, you simply are not doing another thing. And I mean, Alice Wonderland is pregnant. Amelie Lenz is pregnant, but the specific DJ lifestyle is so, you know, you're playing at all sorts of hours and all sorts of countries. If I was in a band on a tour bus or something, I could throw my family in there So, and you're done by 11 PM. And there's just so many differences. So I really struggle with whenever I do see a, a female DJ gets pregnant, I get so excited. I'm just like, how are they going to do it? You know, like, especially like an Amelie Lenz who definitely is playing at like four, six, seven in the, in the morning, whatever. I'm curious to see how this shakes out for her, but yeah, I think it's, um, it's, yeah, it's tough. I don't know. I, I really have no idea how to even process that or do it. But I also think this idea of women can have it all. It's also completely overwhelming. Yes. And I, and I feel like I have literally worked myself to the actual bone because I'm, I'm like, I want to get to a place where I can, you know, be completely financially independent, even like, even though technically I don't really need to be, but I, I just like, I want to be, cause I want to be a woman that has it all. And so I need to, you know, be able to afford my own nannies and I need to be able to, and so I have to get, and I've literally put my body under the most stress and it stopped working correctly because of this, you know, this idea that I feel like I can have it all. I can be superwoman, And I'm just like, is that, what does having it all even mean? Would I like to have more time on my life and with a family? And is this concept of wanting a huge career because of an internalized belief I'm not enough? And like, is that a reason to keep trying to prove my, you know, I don't know. I'm really grappling. I don't have any answers, but I'm grappling with all these things. And although I think it's great to think we can have it all, I just am like wondering if that's actually harmful. I feel like we can't have it all, all at once. Like no matter what, it's impossible to do it all all at the same time. Grimes is very inspired by the fact that women can kind of do it all and have it all. She truly believes that, which I find really impressive, even if it's kind of an overwhelming and anxiety-inducing thought. And she's also like incredibly well-educated and she brings up that her, her next album, book one, basically alludes to all these like famous hot women, the, the Athenas, the Persephones, the Anne Boleyns, She talks about Elon Musk and the fact that as soon as she started dating this rich man, her relationship with her fans and possibly like the music industry at large really shifted. And she almost assumed this role or was shoehorned into this role of the the courtesan, the concubine, the side piece, Mm -hmm. the housewife. And she's like, there's this weird like dismissal of women like that when that's some of the most interesting characters in history to me, she says, I feel like the most radical thing I could do right now is to become Marie Antoinette. Infamy is kind of fun. Unfazed by the reality of like, I'm dating a billionaire. Yes, he's controversial, but I am my own person and I retain that sense of self and autonomy, which is so cool. But it, it led me to want to ask you, have you dated someone either in or outside of the industry who's had a certain amount of power influence that you felt like affected your own work in a way, or you felt. Oh my God. A hundred percent. Yeah. (laughs) So my, my partner is in the music industry. And when I first met him, he's seven years older than me. And I was just like working in marketing for a local promoter and he had started his own, um, company already. We started winter music festivals and then he sold them to MTV Viacom for millions and millions and millions of dollars. And so every room that we were in, it was like, I was always his girlfriend. And it was such a wild experience. Like I, and I felt like actually a lot of our, a lot of our issues interpersonally, a a lot of our fights would be me projecting that um, there was this power dynamic that I didn't like or didn't choose. And, and it's so funny that now that my career has grown in the way it is. It's like the the power dynamic in the outside world is sort of shifting. 
And so um, when we go to clubs or, you know, promoters or what, you know, whatever, they really, um, they call him, you know, oh, her, her boy, like they, they refer to him as LP's boyfriend. Like he doesn't even have a name. The boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Anymore. Luckily he has a deep sense of self, but you know, even for him, it's a little bit like, damn, I'm like, yes, this is what it was like for me for the first seven years of our relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't want anybody to experience that, but part of me is like, I'm glad that you at least <laughs> know what this is like, you know, yeah. this profile was really interesting in large part because it seems like she's really stepped into her power and like sort of owned her situation after scrambling for so long to be taken seriously. I remember in the prep for this, I read a profile of hers from 2015, where she talked about how she was often the only girl in the room. And so I'm curious how it went for you, where you did feel like the only girl in the room. And then when you sort of realized like, not only do I deserve to be here, but I should be here and I'm absolutely holding my own. Yeah, It's a great question. I don't know exactly when the change happened, but I do remember when I first moved to LA and like, anytime I had a conversation, I felt like I had to like do a song and dance about like what I'm doing and how important I am and like how it's going to be great one day. And like, ah, this, ugh. and now when I talk to people, I, I don't even think about that. I just am like, what is the most interesting conversation I can have now? So that has alerted me that like, okay, maybe I feel like I have arrived because I have, um, I like more, I'm just more self-assured of where I am and what I'm doing. And I don't feel like I need to meet anybody or you know, do an elevator pitch, or I just am trying to engage human to human. And there are so many years where I felt like I couldn't, I I needed to keep proving myself. I started this organization, Fem House, which is the nonprofit that I run that teaches women how to produce music. And yeah, I felt for so long, like I was the only woman in the room. I mean, every single day I'm working with or mentoring or working alongside other women from that program. And there are just so many of us. And that, that has been really yeah, I, I no longer feel alone because of that community. I love this quote from Grimes that really echoes what you're saying. She said, it killed me at first, that reality of feeling totally isolated in her gender. I spent 10 years fucking producing, writing, engineering, every single fucking thing on my own. And I fucking proved myself. And she said her friends are still furious on her behalf, but she's now over it. And I wondered if you felt like an alleviation of that same anger, if you can let it go. I mean, it's even interesting hearing you talk about your partner in the sense of like, I'm over it, but it's still kind of nice to feel vindicated in that you are now experiencing what I'm experiencing. I remember that I took my first Ableton course and it was me and 250 guys. And for me, I went like, fuck yeah, bring it on because all these people are underestimating me. And, and when you're underestimated, it's, it's easier to over, to go over the bar that's been set for you. And so like, I was like, yeah, like it invigorated me. It pumped me up. Obviously that's not the case for everybody, which is why I want to start Bum House because that can be a really weird, hard environment to learn in. But I was just so excited to prove that this wasn't the case. And, and because, because learning about Grimes and that being my cue, that visual representation is really, really important that really drove me to want to be what Grimes was to me, to somebody else, you know? And I remember playing a show in Washington, DC at a pretty famous club there. And I was walking through the crowd and afterwards this woman comes up to me and she's like, I've been coming here for five years and I've never once seen a female DJ here. And I don't, you know, I don't really want to be a DJ or anything like that, but seeing you up on stage made me feel like I can go and and do anything and be anything. And I was like, yeah. And so I, there's almost a sense of like, it, like it, it pumps me up that people underestimate us and then we show the fuck up. So it is fucked up. And I'm sure I, I do that as a way to be okay with the really messed up system that we're in. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to prove everybody wrong. Yeah. She has the same interesting approach in that she knows that she's been pigeonholed in a lot of different ways as an artist. She knows that people call her a manic pixie dream girl. And now she says openly, she's had to reject this misplaced idea of feminism. Like I need to stand on my own two feet because, you know, your partner is also very successful. Back to your early thoughts about having a family. I wondered what that like familial structure could or would look like for you in an ideal world. Totally. I know. It's so funny. I've got so many fights about his success. So much internalized anger, you know? Yeah. And also like his name is Chad and he golfs. I'm just like, it's too much. (laughs) Um, I literally lay awake at night trying to visualize like, what could this look like? Knowing how insane my life is and like physically, literally a, a baby cannot fit into it. You know, what would, what would a version of this same touring life look like 
one step back, maybe where you, you could have a little bit more balance. I just don't, I don't know. I have to hope that it's out there. I, I do have a, a really supportive partner in that way, but he's also an extremely ambitious person. So my model for, for a mother is my mother and she's my best friend and I'm obsessed with her and I love her so much. She was there at every moment. She knew every single friend. She, you know, she was my confidant. I would come in from parties and tell her so-and-so sucks, so-and-so stick in the bathroom. And like, I would, you know, she was just like, she was always there for me. And so I'm really trying to conceptualize another vision of motherhood, you know, where I, my kid can get just as much love, maybe without as much physically being there all the time. I'm just, I really struggle with that. And my dad has always said, you know, your mom was like wild, crazy party person. And then she had a baby. She physically changed as a person. All she, all of a sudden she just like, all she wanted to do is protect you guys and care for you guys. And, and so I had this fear that what if that happens to me? And if it happens to me, that means I'll want that. That means I, I, I will be excited about that, but I'm terrified about that because I worked so hard for this. And then you're telling me that because of my hormones, I might just all of a sudden not care. Like that is, that's a trip for me. And I, I think that that really freaks me out about having a kid and, you know, a, not having a model of what else, uh, you know, motherhood could look like. And, and the other thing is I had a completely stable life. So it's like, what, like our kids live in Europe half the year. And then they live like, there's so many pros to that. I just don't have a model for that yet. I know you mentioned earlier that like Allison in Wonderland is pregnant and you see these like DJs that are sort of also operating in similar spaces and with similarly insane schedules. Do you feel like you've been able to find community with, you know, the, the female DJs of the world? Yeah. And- I remember talking to Anna Leno when she first got pregnant and she would, um, she was, she's kind of like, so she would, you know, fly to Vegas and she'd bring like a little mini cooler and so that she could breastfeed and like freeze her breast milk. And then she would fly home. I'm really curious to see how this, it does shake out for, you know, Alice Wonderland and like how many tours does she do a year after this? And really Anna Leno is the only other DJ I can name that's had a baby. How fucking insane is that? This profile and watching her announce this baby, you're, you're making it up as you go along. Like the road is not there and well-paved. You're on dirt roads and then paving it. And and part of me is like, how cool, like we've done, like, that's, you know, that's what I'm here doing as a female producer. It's like, I, I, that excites me to pave my own road. And for some reason, I feel, I feel more fear than excitement about the motherhood experience, but you're, I'm trying to reframe that actually this is an opportunity to help other people do this if they want. It really is in lockstep with a lot of conflicts that I think both male and female, but primarily women feel right now as, as artists in the industry. Grimes has an incredible quote here about her grandpa saying, you know, if you want to make it, you're going to have to sex it up. Like sex sells, baby. And then she's also navigating the fact that she personally hates touring. And she's like, how am I going to make money as an artist? Okay, I'm going to go with the flow and sell digital assets. There's just so much conflict within- totally. How That's so interesting that that you said about what you know you have to sex it up because my problem was I felt like I had to dress like a boy in order to be taken seriously in the electronic space. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember showing up at this photo shoot. I was doing a tour with this dude with a male DJ, and we showed up wearing the exact same thing from head to toe, sneakers to top. Like, and I was like, whoa! Like I have lost all sense of my own personal style because I feel like I, if I'm too feminine, it will people will assume I don't make my own music. Like they'll assume that, you know, you're, you're too, you're too pretty to actually produce and use computers. Um, but the internalized sexism was so real for me for so long. I did a, a live in studio session with BBC radio. One of my stylists was like, who else do you love as an artist? And I was like, you know, um, Stevie Nicks and Jan Joplin and, you know, and she's like, okay, none of them dress like a boy. Let's try to see if you can be comfortable, like, like one step further outside of you feeling like you have to be somebody else. And so I, I went, like, I sort of went the other way. Like I had, I felt like I had to like wear really baggy shirts and like downplay my femininity in order to be taken seriously in a boy's role. That makes me really sad to say that out loud. No, I think it's a, it's a reality for a lot of female artists. I think that's a recent revelation and it's almost like a, a backlash response from like the Britney Christina era where we saw women be absolutely, I mean, no pun intended, stripped down to nothing off the back of feeling, you know, initially so empowered. And then we just robs them of all of it. And then we have, now we have Billie Eilish. But what's so funny, it's like, the point should be whoever you are, you get to pick. And and I'm so happy we we swung the pendulum to like completely be covered up. But it's just like, I hope that one day it's just, you are exactly who you feel like you are. And that's how you express yourself. It's just so complicated though. And when you look out at your crowd, I'm going to assume that you see 80% male faces. 
And it must be an interesting idea and concept as a woman when, you know, you're not Britney, like Britney was kind of for the girls and the gays. And it was like, men listen in secret, but it's <laughs> totally, like, totally, oh, totally. You know what? Like, I actually, I for men. sure have what I'm blown away by every time is I have way more female and gay fans for sure. After every show, the, the people approaching me and like kind of super fanning me, all women, which is so cool. And I did not see that coming. And actually in the US, I, I think it's like pretty, you know, maybe it's 60, 40. And in the UK, maybe it's a little bit more like 65% male. I, I, I would say it's it's closer to 50, 50 than you think. And the people who are sending me messages and who are like really spending time sending me love are mostly women and gay men. Wow. And also it's- we have to remember that house music was started by queer black people. I mean, I know that obviously white people have taken it as we've done most things and made it our own and then forgotten everybody else, but it's originally the space for others. And I do, I still for sure feel that influence on most dance floors on like on real underground dance floors, that book really solid lineups. I, I still feel that. Does that feel like a more recent shift? It more does for me, but only because I just sort of discovered this, you know, I'm a U.S. artist and really all I knew is EDC and, you know, EDM. And that's what I thought dance music was. And it, and it wasn't until, I, you know, I, I met DJ Tennis and started like learning about this whole different underground world and coming to Ibiza. And I mean, I mean, I knew the history of house music because in San Francisco, I started a party with my best friend, uh, who's a um, black queer woman that was all about um, underground house music. And it was a safe space for black queer people. So like I you know, was reading books about Frankie Knuckles and, and that whole time period. But I thought that like, okay, that, that's dead. And now we just have EDM. And coming over to Europe, I have discovered that there is um, still that sense of what this music is really about and for. And I think it's out there. It's just maybe not in mainstream. I have to pivot the conversation to something that I'm sure is top of mind right now for you. It is the the main talking point in, in every conversation about music right now, AI and how artists protect themselves, protect their products. How do you feel with the dawn of this new era of music technology? Dude, it is similar to motherhood. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) To tie them all together, look at Grimes. I think that what she has done is brilliant per usual and so amazing that she just took this thing and she's going to sort of flip it on, on its head and use it for her own gain, which is so cool. But yeah, I mean, mostly I think it's absolutely terrifying and I have no idea. A few times I taught a masterclass about um, in Ableton, they had they had a, a plugin where you could use AI to sort of help create ideas. Like it's as if you were in the studio with somebody else and like, you know, they would input some information and how your brain would interact with it and then you'd make something new. And so I sort of used it as a tool to not just play the same chords over and over, but it was very much a, a back and forth and you really had to be actively interacting with it. And, and also the technology is like so outdated and very come up with one horrible MIDI note that you'd then have to play off of. And and in that way, I, I remember thinking, this is so cool. Like I'm, I'm now, as if I get to collaborate and expand the way that my mind, you know, that the normal grooves that my mind normally goes down when I'm creating, like I really get to um, work on that and see music in other ways. And, but it's now gotten to a level of obviously insanity. And so I, I don't, I don't know. I still have to believe that people are going to care about people making art. And I do think that like Grimes, we should figure out how to use it to our own advantage, but I, I don't, I don't really know what that looks like. I just want to make music, man. <laughs> so I don't, it's crazy to have to even think about it. Yeah. I think it's just such a confronting prospect for any creative. And it's like, how do we work it into our lives to our benefit and not be left behind? But at the same yeah. time, yeah. How do we protect yeah. ourselves and our intellectual property? You, you think about even like the iPhone, it's like what a benefit, but how much damage it actually has done probably to you know, even like the light of the screen and our attachment to it and our anxiety and like, and that's such a small example of, of um, the way that technology can maybe not be great for us long-term. So I think this is just like skyrocketed into what that could look like. It's going to be artists like you that we ahead the the movement into, into finding like a way to integrate and work with and collaborate and not be overwhelmed or overpowered by, by this thing. Cause it does feel like a behemoth right now, but I think dropping the ego is going to be key. And I think women like, do that. Because listen, we've seen every sci-fi movie, like trying to beat it is not going to work. But, yeah. And so how yeah. do we, how do we, and, you know, embrace it and work with it. And yeah, I, I think Grimes obviously has done such an interesting, innovative thing with that. 
Yeah. I just love this quote. I think it's such a great point to, to end with. She says, why is everyone so gloomy about our cybernetic future? What if AI likes humanity? You know, what if the glass is actually 60% full? She's like, I'm 90% full. Yeah. She's the best. This <laughs> is awesome. I know we have to let you go, but thank you. Thank you. It's a joy to see your face and hear you your too. You very too. Much where, wait, where are you based out of again? LA. Oh, you're in LA. Okay. Next time there, I'm going to hate you guys. Yeah. You should come to, well, Splash House is kind of far from you, but I'll be, I'll be playing Splash House in Palm Springs. In Palm Springs. Springs. Yeah. Okay. I know. It well. If you guys want a party weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you'll be closer to home. Awesome. Bye. Oh my God. Well, first of all, amazing, amazing woman. I know. But in the same breath, holy shit, the cortisol thing oh. is going to haunt me to my dying day. Women destroy themselves. I know. We are just always putting ourselves through the ringer, it feels like. Because I think nature already puts us through the ringer. Yeah. And it's like, how do we battle through that? Like, how do we get in the ring with our own bodies? Who's going to like pussy out first? Like you yeah. or me. Yes. Like- <laughs> oh my God. That's how I've been feeling where it's like, all right, get it together. Like just, yeah. just stand it together, up. You stand idiot. Up. I know. How many women just do this on the daily and us sleeping like four hours a night and being like, get up, get up. You you don't have any reason to be tired right now. Ridiculous. Oh, I think that was what was really good about us going away and the breaking routine is that I started to feel crazy in the sense of like can I still survive sleeping very little eating very little and it was like a callback it was a callback it restored my faith in myself to to keep keep it pushing I agree there has been a reminder of our resilience I feel like across the board this summer LP is a reminder of resilience and but also like to her detriment is the I other know. thing. And possibly to ours as well. Yeah. Having her cortisol, what was it? 40? 40. Yeah. And the normal is five to 25. Everything. Like it's totally a domino effect with the rest of your body. Mm-hmm. Like the menopause thing rang true, hot flashes, dizziness. When I am high cortisol, which has happened like once before all of my hair fell out. Yeah. And it, it was... No, you're the bo- worst. Your time body starts of my dying. Life. Dying. Yeah. It's it, the first thing is that's like we cannot maintain this. So let me turn off the things that I don't need right now. Hair. Okay. <laughs> Hair, basic biological functions in terms of like your reproductive health. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, we can't have babies right now. Like hostile environment. Shut it down and then we'll recalibrate when things change. I know. And it takes so long to come back to your body once you've been hurting it or just putting it through stress for so long it starts to feel natural I just know when I was coming out of fight or flight (laughs) after like years and years of being in fight or flight I I have never been more tired and then I found out it it is all biology it's like when your body is trying to get back to normal from an influx of stress hormones you need to sleep like 13 hours a day yeah everything is so hard we just have to take good care of ourselves. That, that much is clear. If you're curious as to like what uh, signs of healthy cortisol, there yeah. are there are lots of them. One of one of the key ones actually, which is really helpful and has helped me, is being hungry in the morning. If you're hungry in the morning, it usually shows that you are on the right track. Oh, hormonally. I'm starving in the morning. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so good. Your metabolism's in check. Everything's like ticking over nicely and functioning well. That's why they really don't recommend, and I have a trainer friend who has rammed this down my throat many a time, but they really don't recommend intermittent fasting for women. It doesn't work for the same way as it works for men. We've got like a a fine-tuned vintage Ferrari for for bodies that just requires constant upkeep to make sure it's like running smoothly. Yeah. And I've learned a lot of tips over the years from my doctors for lowering cortisol of like eating first thing in the morning is really important. Taking a walk first thing in the morning and like seeing seeing sunshine. Seeing sunshine is really good. Unfortunately for all looking at our phones first thing in the morning and last thing before bed is not good for the hormones. It isn't. No, it's so it's so funny because how far we've advanced, obviously, as a species, and yet everything is so primitive and primal at the end of the day. Like our bodies just haven't caught up. No. And we need to go back to the caves. Put me back in the cave. Of like rest when you're tired, eat when you're hungry. Yeah. 
It's the Jack oh, Reacher it's motto. The Jack- <laughs> <laughs> I say told it, you this. Say it now. I, okay, say it now. I, I have to preface this with that I am and have been for a long time a huge Jack Reacher fan. <laughs> and when Ivana and I were in Europe and truly like running on empty, I said to her, eat when you can, sleep when you can. That's the Jack Reacher motto. Because he's nomadic, because he's always on the go and never knows what might happen. He's like, if there's food, eat. If you can sleep, try and do it. Otherwise, you're on your own. You never own. know. No, and I live by that now. I live by that now. It's so simple. It's the key to keeping things ticking over. Yeah. I feel like it's a good note to end on. Eat when you can, sleep, sleep when, when you, you can. can. We're also coming off receiving your bachelorette document, oh, which I has know. a huge emphasis on health and wellness in a yes. way that you don't usually see when it comes to directives about bachelorette parties. That's true, I guess. I'm trying to be humane, uh, first and foremost, in that, yeah, I think there has to be an emphasis on everyone put your needs and your body's needs first. We're not trying to push ourselves to the limit. But this wasn't written by you. Like, this is from yeah. your friend. So this is, isn't even your... Oh, but that was a directive. Oh, it was. Of, uh, me just saying like please let's have this be relaxed and it can't be a thing where we're drinking in excess at high altitudes and then getting on boats for seven hours in the direct sunlight and running around town with no sleep i want it to feel like a vacation hopefully for everyone the wedding is really bookending every episode these days like i know but it's a beautiful ribbon to tie an ivory satin ribbon around every episode and after this it really like there will be no more rigmarole until it comes. Once with silence. Bo- silence for a good nine months. I think so. Only nine. Only nine. Only nine. Oh, man. <laughs> I've got the dress, though. Yeah, the dress is the big the big one. Yeah, I know. And how much did you spend? 1500 Oh, Under budget. budget. Under budget. Yes, <laughs> we love it. Me. And you can do it, too. Eat when you can, sleep when you can, you can do it too. <laughs> Buy dresses under $1,500. Yeah. Oh, well, I love you. Love all of you. Yeah. Thanks for sticking through it with us. I know that this episode is probably going to elicit a few concerned responses. We are absolutely fine. We're okay. Grimes is okay. LP is going to be, everyone's going to be okay. Everyone's okay. <laughs> well, I love you. Bye. Bye.